0: Welcome to the Fifth Harvest Podcast, episode three. This week, we talk about high-volume workout programs, too many reps, and can you eat too many steaks and get fat?
1: Episode number three, hey? What do we call this one? Um why why there's a difference between no. You know what? Too
0: episode, too many reps and too many stakes.
1: Too many reps and too many stakes. Episode three. The <laughs> the Fit Fathers podcast. I like it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh here we are. This is episode number three. We're actually uh we seem to be hitting our stride for as far as getting this organized and and streamlined, so let's see if we can do the best job yet. Um, this week in Twitter, um, the myth that you can eat all the steak and eggs and butter that you want and you'll be 5% body fat and you'll look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. What are your thoughts?
0: Sadly, yeah, sadly, um... It's not the case, it depends what your goal is, I, su- I suppose. But um, for most people, they're not going to be able to eat themselves overweight by doing that, uh, or they're not going to be able to become obese by doing that uh, because there's only so much steak you can eat. But um, if you are wanting to get really lean, you know, have visible abs. You're going to have to moderate on the number of steaks you're eating or the you know the amount of butter you're using um, because it's not just carbs that make you gain fat. Um, it's, it's anything, um, too much of anything. And whilst it is more difficult to eat too much steak, um, it's not that hard to eat too much steak um, for a certain physique. If you're going for that physique where you've got the visible abs, um, unless you're very active very tall muscular um it's going to be you know you've you've got a you've got a certain amount to play with and you can't go you, you can eat more than that amount definitely uh what are your thoughts
1: uh well my thoughts are that uh a lot of people think that just because something's healthy it doesn't count as far as the calories and i mean we're seeing that uh like protein really just doesn't make you fat. So this this myth is kind of half true. But that butter, <laughs> that butter adds up. A lot of people use, you know, several tablespoons of butter a day and there's hundreds of calories uh, of fat in that. Um like I I find quite often that that's actually one of the biggest challenges when I'm trying to hit a caloric goal is I want my food to taste good and be filling and inevitably that adds to, you know, That adds up to putting some fat in it. You know, I'll be cooking up some potatoes or something for a side dish on my dinner. And my protein portion of my course is, you know, very low calorie. It's, you know, half the plate and it's maybe like 400 calories or something like that. But the other half of the plate, the potatoes should be fairly low calorie and it it ends up being okay. But a significant percentage of that came from the added fat that I used to cook it up with. Like you sit and you, you break it down, you look at it and you think that little a little dab of fat I threw in there that made up a sig- significant percentage of the calories I took in. And I think that that's, that's a uh, an area of opportunity that a lot of people just, they're overlooking it. Uh, you know, if you put too much cream in your coffee, you put too much fat in the pan that adds up big time. I, yep, I th- you definitely. were, you were saying you drain the fat
0: out of your meats, right? When you're trying to be, like- I, I don't, most of the time I don't, um, I do that if I'm looking for, um, you know, to, to really, reduce the calories from it which I, I don't do that that often but I have done it um, if I had uh, like when I was really dialed in on this stuff before I had a child um, I used to um, drain off the fat from the from the meat by um, taking it out of the pan when it was cooked boiling the kettle and then uh rinsing the boiling water over the meat um through like a colander and i don't know if that's a just a british word but a, a, a metal thing with holes in it
1: Strainer, yep
0: <laughs> yeah, drainer um and that would remove a lot of the extra fat from from the from the uh, beef um and i would do stuff like that all the time like um what else would i do that on like just steaks and stuff I'd let it drain off on over the side um just because i was trying to remove as many of those calories from fat as possible and now I probably wouldn't recommend other people do that um, you don't need to do that uh, but i was trying to i was probably going a bit reckless with my um, lower calorie target um, I used to do stuff like that i used to really go for it in terms of calorie deficit I, i'd know I know better now I think i used to go too low um, and I didn't need to do that, uh, but uh, you know, if you were say you were having snacks and other things that were giving getting you back some calories somewhere else, rinsing off your ground beef could be another way to to get back on track. I mean, it's not it's probably not going to make a huge difference, but you know, there's there's fat on there which you can remove by rinsing it.
1: Reminds me of the nineties when uh, people would be dieting and they'd be taking paper towel to their pizza. Yeah. I didn't know about that. Take the fat off the top, the
0: grease, just the paper towel. I mean, some sometimes that's just not even that nice to eat. I mean, I I suppose it depends on how on the on the pizza itself, but uh, like, just I don't really like a pizza when you pick it up. You can hold it up like that, and the the fat just runs off it. It's a bit too much for me. Yeah, unfortunately, that's that's pretty much how it's made. (laughs) That's pretty much how it's made, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What's Um, your um, pizza of choice? My pizza of choice. I live close to a uh, a Greek restaurant uh, in one of the small towns that I live between, and they make awesome pizza. They have a chicken carbonara pizza hmm. that is ridiculous. <laughs> it's a I'm treat. I'm not sure if
0: that's. Yeah, I don't know if that sounds good or not. Um, oh, it's so good. Does it ha- Does it have like what's it got on it? Just chicken, bacon, and like the creamy sauce? Does it have like? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good.
1: Very and kind um, of the cream sauce is very garlicky, right? So yeah it's just it's very like it's a nice it's a nice treat. They in general their pizza there is fantastic. Um it, it's a tough it's a tough treat to pass up when you're trying to save yeah. some calories. So uh on the days I know we're gonna get that pizza,
0: I'm banking as much room as I can. Yeah. You like skipping breakfast or like just having some egg whites or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, all those tricks. Oh, what if, what if you're getting a? By the way, yeah, Greek Greek restaurants. I've yet to find one that I don't like. Um, I come from an area of North London called Palmer's Green, um, and it's tongue in cheek. It's called Palmer's Greek um, because of so many Greek people live there, um, and there's like some good, really good Greek restaurants there, uh, and you're just spoiled for choice with the different kebabs and stuff you can get. Um, I've been on holiday to Greece a few times, and, and the food there is amazing. So yeah, yeah, the Greeks know how to cook. Nice. Um, but yeah, my choice of pizza—something um, with as much meat on it as possible. Usually, um, yeah, that'd be what I go for. I like I like mushrooms and peppers on a on a pizza as well.
1: Yeah, I do too. Um, the choice here is usually a, a matter of compromise. My kids won't eat that stuff. I. I don't. I, actually, I don't yeah. like
0: mushrooms, but I do like peppers. So yeah, yeah. Meat pizza. Sometimes, I love it, it. if I'm getting a Domino's pizza, you can you can order, um, which is I don't do. You know, that's that's like a guilty pleasure. That's like a once a uh, every six months kind of thing. But um, I go on there sometimes, and you can order through the website, and you can like choose a pizza off the menu and customize it. And sometimes I pick the vegetarian one. But then I add double chicken on it. Um, (laughs) So I have like a chicken vegetarian pizza just because I like all the combinations of all those different vegetables. But I want the chicken as well. Anyway. (laughs) Well, you've just
1: taught people how to order Domino's. I didn't even know you had Domino's pizza over there. Yeah,
0: we've got Domino's. We've got Pizza Hut and we've got Papa John's. I don't know if you have all three of those.
1: Yep. Yeah, all those are here too. Um,
0: yeah, uh, those are some of the, the American,
1: I mean, we actually, we have even more American chains than that. I'm trying to think what else we have that's uh, but definitely those ones and more, it, it, they dominate, they dominate the world with their restaurant chains, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, they do. Definitely
1: McDonald's Although, is the um, biggest real estate holder in the world, right?
0: It is. Yeah. Um, there's a good film on Amazon, um, about that. I don't know if you've seen it, it's called the founder, um, and it's, it's all about how um, I want to spoil the movie to be the um, biggest real estate company in the world. That's good. Yep. All right. Well, so the
1: myth that you could just eat whatever you like, like as long as it's it's meat and, and fat, you're good to go. No, not true.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say like focus on meat. Um, you'll definitely get more food for your calories by doing that. And the leaner, the leaner that meat is, the more that is true. Um, and you'll be able to get very full. But, um, you know, you can't just eat, like, tea bone steaks every day, all day, for three meals. Well, you can actually do that. But um, some, some, some you can, can do that, get that and get lean, because people do. But, yeah, it depends on, on whether you've got the room in your, like, caloric budget to do that. And um, there's a limit to what you can fit in. And, and that, that's pretty much it. But yeah, you're be getting your protein you're hitting your protein go yeah.
1: uh, so let's uh let's talk about uh, topic number two today cheating reps you had a you had a tweet on Twitter that got a pretty good amount of engagement on it people had a lot of
0: opinions yeah so the the beauty of Twitter the the curse and the beauty of it is that um, you are so limited in how in what you can say um, and I don't really, I can't really be bothered to write long threads that much to cover everything. And the more you do that, the less people will engage with it anyway. Um, so the beauty of it is that there's no nuance. So people will either strongly agree with you or strongly disagree with you. And it generates discussion on your tweet, which helps more people see it, which is good. But that's a curse as well, because then you've got all these people replying to you saying, oh my God, you're wrong. Um, yeah. Arnold did this or whatever. Um, and um, you know you have to defend your viewpoint or argue back to a load of different people and explain how you actually yeah what I meant was this, but it kind of came across wrong because I only had a shortened amount of space. So yeah, that that happened with my tweet about cheating reps. Um, so what I said was something like um, when the reps start to look different, that's when you should kill the set, um, and people were saying very validly actually that um sometimes those reps where you have to cheat just a little bit are the ones that the next time when you come back say that was the ninth rep you'll get it you'll get a clean nine reps the next time or maybe a slightly cleaner nine reps and then the time after that a very clean nine reps um which i agree with yeah like it does work like that you you if you're always stopping and every rep always looks absolutely identical then you know, you're probably not really going to get stronger because um, there's always like a little bit of overreaching required and you might break form slightly. Um, you've got to do something you haven't done before to force an adaptation. Um, so yeah, to clarify, um, yes, that some slight cheating is okay. Um, but what I was trying to get at was when you see people doing pull-ups, for example, and they do like four good reps, and then a, a fifth rep where it looks like kind of not, not quite so good anymore. And then they go for a sixth and like their head is start starts like going back. And then their knees start coming up. And they're back, they've lost like the, the scapula and no longer retracted, and they start coming in like this. And um then they go for another one and it just looks awful, and eventually they're gonna injure themselves. Um, you know, you should kill that kill that set long before that point. Or when someone's doing bench press and their spots are um, touches touches the bar and then they go for another rep and the spotter is now gripping the bar and then they go for another rep and the spotter is doing like an upright row. Yeah. Um so <laughs> yeah. Um so yes you can you can cheat slightly but if you're having to break your form really significantly to even make that rep then I I wouldn't count on that and I would not I would not make that the aim of your training um to be doing reps like that. What are your thoughts
1: yeah I mean I wanted to start out by saying I think you you just you just pretty much you know sunk that argument you you've just established that what you said is is true because the exception as you pointed out there is, is more or less hi- highlighting the rule which is once the the form breakdown is so bad that you're no longer targeting the correct muscles that 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 extra rep didn't do you any good and it's more likely to do you some harm because that's how people get hurt when you're trying to do a thing in in a way that is not the way it is intended to be done, then that's when you put yourself you know at the most risk to you know harm joints or or strain muscles that aren't aren't really designed to to do what you you're asking them to do. Um, but on the other hand, I myself am a bit of a fan of uh, like what some people would call cheating reps. Although it's it's really funny to me because they often call you out on it on things like rows. And last I checked, there's no competition standard for rows, right? Um, so in my view, there's times, you know, some people think if you use any kind of momentum or if you use any assistance from a different part of your body than the part that you're training, that that is cheating and you've done some horrible, awful thing and you're you're wrong. Uh, but they're not really thinking it through because there's strategic reasons that a person might want to do that. One of them being that uh, once you get fairly strong on some exercises, Doing them with zero momentum and no explosiveness at all is basically impossible. Like uh, a good example is like a dumbbell row, right? If you're doing one arm dumbbell rows, once that weight gets to like three quarters or more of your body weight, good luck doing it with zero, you know, body twist or, or momentum of any kind. Like you just aren't going to do it. Uh, the other thing is like uh, another exercise I'm quite fond of and I like to cheat a little bit on it and I've seen huge progress from cheating on it a little bit is T-bar rows. So, you know, you're standing and you're braced, right? And you're doing your your clean rows. Then you, you get to the edge of your capacity as far as like a heavier row. What I find is the last, especially the last few sets, I'll, I might use a little bit of leg momentum to get that weight up. And then I control it hard on the eccentric, which is great for building muscle. And then the next time, like you said, I'll be able to do that as a clean rep, that last couple of reps. So it's allowed me to to grow my strength past what uh, a pure, you know, perfect, no momentum rep uh, expectation would have ever allowed me to do. So it's strategically viable to cheat some circumstances, but you still have to be safe. You still have to maintain clean form. You should still be controlling the eccentric portion of movements, right? Uh, You don't want to be jerking your body around or slamming any joints out to full extension like... You know, you don't want to be one of those guys that's that's cheating the rep and then, you know, just letting gravity take it, that kind of thing. But, yeah, cheating cheating reps in general yeah. is not a great plan. But if you're a more advanced lifter, there may be strategic times that make sense.
0: Yeah, I agree. And when you were talking, as soon as you said rows, I was thinking of T-bar rows. Because um, if you think about, uh, they're, they're an exercise I do quite a lot. Um, I really like them. Um, But if you think about where the weight is positioned relative to your body, um, and the position you have to take—kind of stood either side of the bar, bent over—it's going to pull you down. Um, You know, once you're using, you know, more than half your body weight, which most intermediates and beyond will be doing, um, it's pulling you forward. So it's it's kind of hard to. to to do that to do that exercise without a little bit of moment of momentum at times, um, the heavier it gets, the more so that is, uh, because it's just it's going to pull you over. Otherwise, um, you won't be able to st- strictly do that for many reps, really. No,
1: and and the thing is, it's also a misconception that you need to, um, you know, you're there's this idea that oh, well, my back has to be as close to parallel to the ground as possible, and and it has to go straight up now well no because the bar is on it's on a lever <laughs> right so the, the the path curves anyway so if you if you stand up a bit more upright to balance it you still end up with your with your motion finishing in the correct in, in the correct place so uh, you know there's yep. no no harm in doing that you do what you have to do to to counterbalance the weight or you don't complete the reps it's it's much and then
0: there's there's a difference between using a bit of momentum and using bad form so um, a bit of momentum is okay um but you're not saying that you should you know allow your back to round when you're doing those to get out of more reps because you know you're gonna you're gonna do yourself an injury you're never going to do yourself an injury just from using a bit of momentum to row the bar um, and the other one to, to point out would be you know, like squats and deadlifts when towards the end of the set, if you keep going past the point of technical failure on those, you are really going to do yourself an injury. Um, and there are competition standards for those lifts and that's because um, there are certain things you can do to allow yourself to lift more weight in a competition um, which make it difficult to judge. Um, you know, yeah, there, they, there's no yeah, there's no like the only only reason that they have compet- those competition standards is so that they can judge everyone on a kind of fair um, playing field.
1: Not really applicable so, if you're if you're training at home for your you know for yourself.
0: Like, yeah, exactly.
1: I, I think it's it's funny people get wrapped up in that stuff. Um, you know how far somebody squatted or or didn't squat. I mean, first of all, different body types and different levels of flexibility are are definitely a factor. Uh, but if you're not competing, like who cares if you miss parallel by like half an inch nobody nobody cares
0: yeah it's right? not like your 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 quads and your hamstrings and your glutes are gonna say oh no that didn't work like i i wasn't activated because you didn't hit parallel i mean i do try to hit parallel but you know even if you don't that that weight that you that you're squatting is still gonna do something um you know you may not get as much hamstring activation, glute activation as if you went below parallel, but you're still getting, you're kind of making up for that by the fact that you're using more weight. So it's activating more anyway because of moving more weight.
1: Yeah. So, and I mean, you, like again, too, like every rep isn't necessarily picture perfect. You know, you do, you're getting tired, you're doing a set of 12. So what if two or three of the reps weren't perfect? People, people getting really, uh, really wound up in things that aren't super important when you're pushing really really hard you're not you maybe not be thinking about you know the absolute perfection of technical execution uh if you can still think of that stuff while you're you're pushing yourself right to failure on your third or fourth set of a heavy exercise all the power to you but i
0: can't i can barely count the
1: reps (laughs) (laughs) you know so the one
0: where the one where i do like to um not allow myself to cheat a little bit though is um overhead press because you just end up leaning back um and that's the why that one was m- removed from um weightlifting competitions because it started turning into um a standing bench press or like a standing incline press everyone leaning back you know to use more of the chest uh, but of course in a competition on on com- competition day you'll you'll accept a little injury if it wins you the competition but um training date you know week in week out leaning back is just going to do you an injury to your spine um so that's the one where i I really try to be careful
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely i like i agree it's like if you, if you got if it's all about moving more weight switch to a push press way safer right yeah and i mean actually probably in a lot of cases more effective i the the main reason I don't like to use a push press is that it becomes habitual and then it affects my ability to focus and just do a regular overhead press. I just like, you just start wanting mm. to use your legs a little bit to get that extra, that extra jolt. But if you were just looking to build muscle, that would be a smarter way to do it. You get a little more weight up. It's just like we were talking about with the row, right? Get a little bit of that momentum to get you going and you can hoist a little more weight Then you just control it. to you get your time under tension
0: yeah sure yeah
1: it's pretty similar idea but i mean generally with these things it it, it's kind of common sense if you just sit and think about what your goal is what you're trying to accomplish like sometimes when i'm doing shrugs i'll do them kind of power shruggy. you know i just like really like try to get them up fast but you don't like i don't let them go down fast right they're not jerking downward i i'm just using a little bit of a little bit of extra body English to get that shrug to complete because it, it's very heavy, uh, because I'm hoping to increase my, you know, I'm hoping to increase my capacity there on a stricter version down the road. So cheating reps, sometimes they're okay. But final version, yes, two thumbs up, like
0: Cisco <laughs> like and Ebert, right? uh yeah we're flying through we're flying through these these topics i think we need we need a new topic we're way we're way too organized today okay so um i've got a dm from somebody which i i'm uh, answering um to that person but i'm also going to answer uh, read it out here and we can discuss as well so um their question was um so they said i'm working trying to gain weight i'm working (laughs) out four times a week mainly strength sessions the strength part is really improving plus three to four football trainings trainings and matches per week what my problem is is i can't get enough calories per day to be in a surplus protein intake is good enough what do you suggest thanks um so i could uh, yeah i'll have a go answering that on on here um yeah, go for be it interested to get your thoughts as well um but my my first the first thing that really stands out to me actually is the strength part is really improving and yet they are saying at the same time I can't get enough calories per day to be in a surplus. Um, so those two things, unless this person is a real beginner, which I don't know yet, um, then those two things don't really compute for me because um, I usually find that if I'm not eating enough, I'm not getting stronger. um Don't know about your thoughts there.
1: Well, yeah, or they have some body fat to spare, but I yeah, because I've I've been getting a little bit stronger as I leaned out this whole summer. But I keep my I keep my training short, right? Short and intense. If I was if I was also playing football a few times a week, I I kind of suspect I wouldn't work out very long. So that would be my thoughts. Is probably this person had like fifteen to twenty percent body fat when they got started, and that's what they've been using to make up the difference. So that could be yeah. that would be my question like are you losing weight because if he's losing weight then he's probably right he 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 isn't eating enough because you would think his weight would stay fairly steady otherwise
0: well what what i've asked him so far is um how many calories do you think you need and how would you describe the way you eat so what i'm kind of trying to find out here is um whether he is avoiding certain foods which are making it hard for him to get in that calorie surplus um because what a lot of people will do is do something like um, a low-carb diet and then say, but I want to gain weight. And obviously that's possible, but you've just made your, you've just you've made it quite a lot harder for yourself by removing an entire food group, which contains a lot of things which are very useful for, for getting bigger um, because they're more calorie-dense and easy to eat a lot of, you know, I'm thinking rice and bread here. Um, and Even, then yeah. I was also wondering about... Um, if this person might be doing intermittent fasting because that's another th- question i get asked a lot as well is um i'm doing intermittent fasting um i eat for in this six hour window um but i'm trying to gain muscle um, and what, what can you suggest and uh, you know same answer really um you're making it harder for yourself by limiting the amount of calories you can get in because you've got a small window you've only your stomach only holds so much so um it's going to be harder to get enough calories in to gain muscle you still need to you still need to actually hit that crucial point of eating enough um so yeah removing things or, or restricting the time is just making that harder uh, but we'll see what he replies he hasn't replied yet
1: for sure that's i mean especially if they're if they're doing both of those things fasting and restricting carbs it's like okay well that you've just made it extremely difficult for yourself right I which mean, is
0: quite a common thing i find a lot of people are doing that especially people on twitter
1: Yeah, uh, I'm always surprised. I'm having a hard time. It works great
0: for fat loss. Yeah. Um, You know.
1: But that, and then of course the polar opposite being
0: not true. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work good if you try to put weight on. Yeah. (laughs) But it's still possible. But, but it's just making it hard, really hard for yourself. Possibly too hard.
1: Yeah. So intermittent fasting. Not great if you're trying to put on muscle, in my opinion. And Brad Schoenfeld tweeted about that today on Twitter. It was huge. Uh, he just said, like, oh, no, it was uh, Ted David. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And he said, like, after about, like, 16 hours, your body's starting to eat lead tissue if you're fasting all the
0: time. So, yeah. So if you're trying to gain muscle, you need to be, the, the periods in which you eat, you need to be generating more Muscle gain than the another person who's not doing intermittent fasting. You have to not only do you have to eat enough to gain muscle, you've got to eat enough to gain more muscle than what you lost by fasting. Yeah, because your body's doing this all day. Uh, it does it all day every day. Um, if you someone uh, once once gave me this this analogy, which I liked. Um, it's actually somebody who's followed me since I had like a hundred followers, um, and I, I speak to him occasionally now and then. Really nice guy um and he said imagine a wall a a brick wall um and every day your body is taking out bricks and putting in new ones taking out more bricks and putting in new ones um and for the average person um that kind of balances out and that's basically um like the regeneration of your like lean mass of your lean tissue um because you break it down and then you repair it and yeah, for most people, it kind of balances out. And then as you get older, it kind of starts to, the, the, the breaking down, the taking the bricks out starts to be more than the rate in which you're putting new bricks in. Um, so, you know, you, as you as you get older, if you're not doing anything about it, you will lose muscle, um, which which everyone will do if, the, if they don't take steps to, to slow that down. Um, so your body is doing that. Um, and when, you, when you're fasting, it's taking those bricks out and it's not able to put new ones in until you eat. Um, so, if you need to grow, get bigger, gain muscle, you need to be putting more bricks in than you're losing. Um, and, you know, after 16 hours or whatever it was that Ted Naaman said, uh, which was backed up by a study which I need to read, um, yeah, if, if, if your body has started to break down that lean mass for energy, um, you're gonna have. You, you've basically given given yourself a disadvantage. You you've handicapped yourself. So now you've your body. You have to work harder to catch up and put more bricks back in than what you're losing.
1: Building lead mass is slow. Like people don't understand. Yeah. it's Like you could lose it faster than you can build it. It's not. It's not easy
0: to overcome that. Yeah, because your body doesn't want. What, uh, I have to be. I have to think about what I'm saying here, but. Um, it's not necessarily um, a good thing, from an evolutionary standpoint, to have a lot of lean mass. Um, not, not more than necessary, anyway. Um, your body, for survival, um, lean mass is expensive. So if you think about the way humans have evolved, um, there wouldn't have been so much food around. Um, so having all this lean mass on you, uh, like extra lean mass, like like a bodybuilder or so, uh, just means you need to eat even more food to survive. Um, and what would probably happen is you would, um, your body would acclimatize to, to whatever is available. So you'd lose lean mass because you wouldn't be able to find enough, um, you wouldn't be able to find enough food to sustain it. And the body will um, get rid of the lean mass first because it's calorically expensive. Unless there's a lot of fat mass available on and on hand, but if there's not, it will get rid of the extra unnecessary lean mass because it's just, yeah, it's it's, it's expensive and requires a lot of food. So, um, which you can imagine that hunter-gatherer type uh, communities and you know, um, the Paleolithic times, the humans were were not big, but they they were lean and and as muscular as they needed to be, but not more than that.
1: Absolutely, and. Ed- What you just said ties in directly to um, when you try to cut body fat, but you don't want to sacrifice muscle, you have to train quite intensely so that your body believes it needs to hold that muscle to perform. Like your brain kind of knows what you do, right? It has all these internal systems to know what you've been using your body for. So you're basically signaling that you need to keep the muscle by training very intensely and it's yeah, exactly absolutely. the reason you just said that it needs to be clear that that has to stay or your body will just go too expensive cut that and it won't cut fat past a certain point
0: yeah absolutely and i've, I've had some experiences of doing things the wrong way um in this area um when i was uh, like i spoke earlier, um, said that i cut my calories too low man did my strength drop in the gym like well, well that's that's more from not having enough energy, um, just you know, yep. the energy to in which to lift the weights. Um, so there's that. But then after a while, um, losing the losing the muscle mass as well, because once your cut is over and you're finished, um, you should be able to go back to lifting the weights you were lifting beforehand relatively quickly, like within a month or so. But I, I wasn't. So um, I would say that I in my earlier days I, I did lose lean mass on my cuts. Um, which you know, not ideal. Um, well, that, especially <laughs> not when, when you think about how long
1: it takes you to put it on, right? It's just, yeah, you know, it might take you six months. Like it, after you've been lifting for a little while, it might take you six months or a year to put a few pounds of muscle on. You can lose that real fast if you diet too hard.
0: Absolutely. Um, and the, the other thing that um, is really important when you're dieting is high protein intake. Um, people sometimes make this mistake because they think I'm going to be gaining muscle when I'm bulking so that's when I need to have higher protein intake. Um, but you really need it at all times um, because you know you, you that the, the presence of that protein um, signaling the, the body to uh, build build new muscle tissue if that signal isn't there um, it's more likely that the body's going to use that muscle tissue for energy rather than um, building it or absolutely. sustaining it absolutely. That
1: was really good i didn't want to interrupt you
0: <laughs> you're, you're really suffering today
1: oh it's brutal so yeah uh i i agree like about 100 percent with what you just said as far as the protein when it comes to bulking and cutting i think that was kind of an interesting sub tangent so one of the things that i noticed because i bulked uh maybe a touch too zealously but initially i was doing it really good the first few months i bulked all last winter and i actually needed less protein like it was notable like i i was making decent strength gains uh on let's say like 175 grams of protein a day but when i'm cutting it needs to be more like 200 or or i don't feel good i don't recover well uh like i don't feel good at all and i i suspect a lot of that has to do with the fact that I was eating a lot more carbohydrates on a regular, like every day of the week, not just on the hard training days, like every day of the week. Uh, and carbohydrates are protein sparing. You know, the more carbohydrate energy you have, the less your body uh, has to tap into protein at all. For,
0: for yeah, energy. of course. So energy. for I know you understand. I know you understand this, but just for for some people that might not. Um, the body will always burn glucose first when it's available um, which when you're eating carbohydrates is going to be glucose on hand um, in the blood so body doesn't have to go to your muscle stores to use protein for energy it's got the glucose right there
1: yeah which means that all the protein you take in up to a certain point is available just for repair rebuild all all the things that you want your amino acids to be used for Whereas when you're cutting your carbohydrates, uh, a great deal, you're going to need a surplus of protein because you're definitely going to waste some of it, uh, as energy. And and that's a piece I think a lot of people miss. It's like, well, I'll just eat more fat. It doesn't work that way. The fat doesn't really, the fat doesn't do that. The fat doesn't spare protein the way that carbohydrates do. So, I, I mean... The science is is beyond me on it. You know, Uh, it's been a long time since I I took chemistry, so I only have I only understand it in the in the general sense. But I think that's a key thing a lot of people miss is that if you're going to if you're going to do without the carbohydrates, you really got to have the protein in check. Like you need to have a lot of protein. You need to take it in multiple times per day, or you're going to sacrifice. Like you said, you're not going to have those muscle protein synthesis uh, spikes. Uh, the 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 leucine or whatever is not going to trigger your body to to as often to grow muscle or to keep muscle so you're gonna get weaker.
0: Yep, it's again, it's that's just signalling to the body that well we don't need this muscle here, um so let's let's use that. We're in a famine. That's what the body will think when when it's having to constantly tap into your fat stores uh, and and lean mass stores the body thinks the food is scarce we're in a famine um and the more you send that signal so ie the larger your calorie deficit um the more you'll notice your body doing things that are not really um not ideal uh, like you'll start having a stress response um because oh yeah your body thinks thinks it's it's a stressful time um <laughs> and yeah, I, I can remember like getting more sick. Um, and like I started to get like a little, um, I don't know what what, it, what it's called, but I got like these little, little painful little spots in, in the hairline of, of, of my head. Um, you know, just, just annoying little things like that. And uh, starting to, um, this is when I was getting really lean like feeling cold all the time. Um, so the body's trying to conserve energy by not moving as much and uh, you're lowering lowering your temperature Um, and there was even a point where I I was not eating enough that I noticed that it was hard to speak like um, my my, uh, the muscles of my face were slowing down like I couldn't get the words out the way I wanted to Um, yeah (laughs) so you got to be careful don't don't cut calories too harshly it doesn't lead you to getting what it can lead you to losing fat faster but it's it's not the right way to do it um, and you'll pay for it
1: yeah it's a miserable experience too uh if you got friends and family that you live with they're not going to like you very much uh every time i overshoot or i try to lose fat too fast uh it always makes me into a kind of a person i don't want to be so I, I would recommend strongly yeah, strongly against that uh you've got yeah. all the time in the world once you're at a healthy body weight if you're looking to just lean out a little bit you have all the time in the world unless you're unless you're uh signed up for a contest and you you've got a specific due date uh it's just not worth it
0: <laughs> i actually i did this once when um when my wife was pregnant um and our son was born in november uh, and i was cutting from that summer like i started in like july or something um to november and i don't know why i did this but um when women are pregnant they usually ask for more favors and things like would you mind just and they totally understandable like would you mind just getting me this or you know I, I i'd really like an ice pack or you know some food or whatever and i just was not a nice person at that time um like i, I mean i don't want to be too hard on myself but i, I wasn't a complete arsehole but um I, i just yeah she she was very happy when i decided to stop cutting basically yeah i'm lucky i have such an understanding wife yeah my,
1: my <laughs> wife starts baking to more cookies i start getting i start getting <laughs> real cranky she's like you know what i don't want to solve this <laughs> she just bakes she, she bakes me more treats and fattens me up again like but yeah good
0: <laughs> good idea
1: <laughs> so yeah that's uh definitely uh definitely a consideration when it comes to fat loss, uh, it will change your, it'll change your mental attitude a lot. Uh, yeah, really got to watch out for that. Uh, actually it's funny cause, uh, I was talking to a client today who, who's had some kind of, uh, some distress, uh, around, around energy levels and just like reactions to food that are kind of extreme. Uh, and he has cut down quite lean over the last several months and now he's now now we've got him on a you know on a build cycle but like the idea is to keep his weight steady not you know we're not gonna do a crazy bulk or anything like that and but he's he's sort of having a hard time finding the the balance and there's definitely been some emotional ups and downs so it it it's definitely a common sign that something's a little off Uh, if people should not ignore those signs right like they should not push forward harder if you're if you're finding that you are enduring a great deal of emotional distress with your with your diet that's a sign that it needs a a little bit of tweaking don't don't just keep going at that
0: yeah and that that makes me think of something else as well um, where I would become very um, like extremely food focused like it was that my number one priority of all, all the time would be like what, what am i eating at my next meal
1: yeah you're um, counting down the minutes planned. till the next meal
0: yeah yeah
1: like checking the clock yeah that's that's not yes yeah,
0: that's a good sign that things are maybe things are maybe um overly dialed in um and it, what always ha- tended to happen with me is it would lead to a massive rebound um so I- I'm really going to try not to do this the next time but um you know there's always this kind of desire to w- when you reach the point where you're like, okay, I'm happy, I like the way I look um like I mean I was not to sound vain or anything but like I'm never unhappy with the way I look um until you know but but you know like I- i'm this is where I wanted to be you know you're at that point where you go this is where I wanted to be Yep. um and I can't keep doing this anymore, like I've had enough of dieting. When I get there, I usually say, right, now I'm going to try and gain mass and stay this level of leanness, like keep the abs, keep everything as lean as it is now, but just get bigger. And it never works, never. Because um, as soon as I start allowing more things back into the diet, um, because I've usually over-restricted it's like there's some sort of deep evolutionary drive within me to eat food. And it's you you can't overrule it. Like the logical side of your brain is like you don't need to eat all this, but you can't stop yourself. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but um I find that very challenging and I and I have actually in the past gotten into like crazy binges where um I, I really regretted them afterwards, um, and then I would try to un- undo what I'd just done by like not eating at all the next day, but it would just lead into an even worse cycle of binge restrict, binge restrict, and I wouldn't go as far to say as I at one point had an eating disorder, but uh, which by the way should probably be spoken about more, because um, I think more people in our kind of... Um, in our kind of circles do have eating disorders um and it needs to be more widely spoken about but i would say i was on that path at one point um so yeah over restricting during the cut can lead to like some crazy bounce backs um which you've got to be careful about
1: yeah i i agree with you um i definitely have and do occasionally uh I definitely occasionally have a binge out, Uh, I've admitted as much to people, I I think it's important that people understand that, you know, when they that when they see my social media, or they, you know, they talk to me or they see, see me speaking here or whatever, that uh, I'm not, I'm not projecting an image of perfection. Uh, I don't, I don't find this process to be without challenges or ups and downs. Uh, Binging is definitely an issue, although I wouldn't say that I have it, uh, have it as bad as you just described. But what I do notice is that if I restrict myself too hard, they'll, they'll, they'll come a day, they'll come a day sometime in the next couple of weeks where I will just have just one more treat or whatever. And the next thing I know, like I've eaten 1200 calories more than the plan for the day, you know? And I'm like, well, yeah. how did this even happen? Like, it's like, I didn't, I wasn't even conscious I was doing it. By the time I realized that I've been doing it, it's too late. I'm not going to go to the bathroom and make myself throw up or something. Cause that would be, you know, that would be, it's, it's what's done is done. Uh, but yeah, it definitely happens. And I, I have strategies that I find help with that a little bit. So one of the things that I do is I, I only treat myself to extra calories, on a particular couple of days of the week and I and and that mitigates it like when I've just done my deadlifts I know I can soak up some extra calories Uh, I've noticed I could soak up a lot of extra calories on those days so then if I overshoot I probably don't overshoot by as much and I'm likely to get full before I have far over eaten my calories And I find that if I don't, if I do that and I don't feel bad about it, then I don't have another incident anytime in the near future. So I think part of that's just listening to your body. And sometimes you're genuinely that hungry. Like if you, if you've been working really, you know, training hard and and whatnot, you you just may need the extra fuel. Like this might be your body telling you, you know, like you've gone too far. Just give, give us, give, give me a little extra fuel. Uh. Uh, yeah, it often pays off. Fine, you don't. Sometimes you, you know, nothing, nothing bad comes of it. You just feel better. You have more energy. The next few days are just much better. Uh, and if that's the case, you, you, you probably haven't binged. You've just, you've just. In, that's what intuitive eating looks like: is when you start knowing what your body actually needs and responding to it, and not trying to, not trying to force, uh, you know, a round peg or into a square hole or, or whatever. Like you're just, you're just doing what what your signals tell you to do and no further but that's hard it's hard to know you have to really know your
0: body and it takes time i think that's where we're all trying to get to um or uh, where we should all be trying to get to and um i think for me now i'm tracking my calories and macros much less much much less than i used to um and it's it's a really useful tool which i do recommend to a lot of people um to track your calories and macros but no one wants to be doing that forever um and not being able to eat anything unless they know the macros of it you know are we going to be still doing this when we're 70 years old like i don't want to um yeah so i think it's a really good way of learning um what's in foods and how much of it you should have um but the goal long term is to kind of just learn your body and learn what you need which is which is a great thing to aim for um and i feel like i'm getting there um but i just want to go back to something else you said as well about um on on the days where you do deadlifts you feel like you can soak up a lot of extra calories and i think that you touched on something interesting there so to kind of go on a bit of a tangent there um if you've been in a calorie deficit you know you've been losing fat for a long time um and you know you're 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 getting lean and then one day you you know there's a social event and you go out somewhere and um you eat like a stack of pancakes with maple syrup that and and this kind of thing happens and i've been in those situations and you beat yourself up for it afterwards you're like oh my god what did i do like um i'm gonna i'm gonna have gained fat back or whatever but the reality is though if you've been dieting hard training hard you probably need that you probably uh, need to refill your glycogen stores and you probably gain absolutely no fat whatsoever or if so just a tiny meaningless amount um that you'll lose in a day or two anyway um and you'll feel great after doing that um if you can get you know past the psychological guilt side of it um you know you've just replenished all the energy that gets stored in your muscles and your liver which has been depleted through you know, weeks and months of dieting. Um, so sometimes, you know, your body really needs that, and there's a reason why you uh, can sometimes find yourself in a situation where, no matter what, how strong your willpower is, you're going to cave because that's what your body needs. Um, so relax a bit, and if if you had empty glycogen stores, all those carbs aren't getting stored as fat; they're getting stored as um, as glycogen. Yep. you know, so. Yep, it's not always a bad thing
1: and 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 there are signals like how you feel how you look in the mirror when you wake in the morning do you look flat if you look flat you're out of glycogen like if you know and and you'll you'll know the difference because if you have one of those you know carb refuels the next day you'll wake up and you'll look like superman because you're all puffed up right but you don't look fat you just look full uh, and yep. that's, I mean, those are the kinds of things that people don't, they don't already know, you know, they're not, or they, they haven't got the awareness around the habits, the, you know, the pick up the simple clues, uh, and the, the intuitive eating thing that, that takes time to develop because we've all lived, or most of us have lived many years eating the standard American diet or standard Western standard diet.
0: Western diet. I call it. Yeah. yeah.
1: And You know, just eating around the clock, whatever we feel like it, whatever we feel like, total abundance, no awareness of how our bodies feel, you know, probably chronically inflamed, deconditioned. And none of that has prepared you to adequately intuitively eat. So, you know, if you did that for 15 years, it's going to take you a few years of at least being aware of what you're doing to pick up on the signals to develop the habits or whatever for the long haul. I mean, might, might even take longer than that. I mean, I don't count calories all the time, but what I like to do now is I like to go through when I'm, when I'm cutting calories, I do it because I find I need the extra help to manage it. But I, even then I don't count them all the time, but I do little phases. Like I might be really, really meticulous for a few weeks just to get that awareness, just to, you know, to get an audit of what I'm eating, because what I eat evolves over time. I get, I change my favorite recipes out a little bit. I, I, Maybe I discover a new food that I really liked that I never heard of before uh, or whatever somebody recommends to me or uh, market prices change. So I start eating more beef and less pork or vice versa or whatever. So it's good to run the occasional audit so that I just see how that all plays out relative to past experiences, but I don't do it all the time, you know, and less and less and less as time goes on. And like you said, when I'm 70 years old, I. I'm, I'm not, well, probably I'm not going to care about to the same degree uh, about micromanaging that stuff, but also I should have many, many years of good habits with which to, you know, fall back on my intuition for. It. Can you hear him? Can you hear him? Yeah. <laughs> he's calling. There's a great thing. I'm not sure because with the headphones, I can tell he's talking, but I can't hear him too clearly. But he's something, daddy, daddy. He's got. There's a hole in the floor over yeah. there. Um, so I have, I have a fireplace in down here, and there's a hole over the fireplace with a grate, and that lets he can hear you then. Yeah, yeah. Lets air go, hot air go up to warm the whole house, right? When you're using the fireplace, but it means that in the living room, the boy can hear me talking, and he can yell at me down through the grate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that sounds like something my son would do as well. <laughs> that's
1: pretty cool. All the kids do it. They, you know, they from time to time it's, Hey Dad through the through the grate.
0: <laughs>
1: can they he can't see you though, can he? No. I yeah. I'm like about ten feet back from the hole, so yeah.
0: Right. But yeah. Yeah. I, I've recently um had to be doing some work during the day. Um and some of that's been, you know, at our home with my son. Um but I've had to like go into another room for like hours um be on calls and stuff. And he's he's been like coming and opening the door and like shouting at me. <laughs> Cause he's not he doesn't understand. Like he, he obviously has no idea and doesn't understand why I'm just going away for hours and normally I'm you know I'm there the whole day. Um but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah my son does that to our to my wife a lot. She she's working from home right now as well. Uh, and he's been the star of several major conference calls. He just wasn't, oh, really? wasn't going to take no for an answer. He was going to go sit with his yeah. mom, period. Uh, he's usually pretty good though. He just sit, usually sits in her lap and smiles at everybody. Right. It's yeah. Kind of funny.
0: Yeah, that's very really nice. <laughs> it's not always nice. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I guess sometimes it's, it's quite distracting. Um. <laughs> and you've got to think about something and and be a parent at the same time. I'm, you know, I'm getting I'm getting really useless, like just using my own brain. Um, That's okay. You know, like I, I, I schedule, <laughs> yeah, I schedule tweets every day, right? And I kind of just, I kind of just tweet advice out. And I was going to say this actually earlier when you said about not being projecting an image of perfection, but don't not actually. Necessarily being that image, and I was going to say that um, you know every day, every day I, I schedule about ten tweets, and it's all just a device, and it can come across like I do all of these things all the time. And, and you know, someone actually mentioned that in a DM um, to me recently, um, a, a guy who was a little bit annoyed that I missed his I missed his DM, um, oh, like he got pushed down, and he said. Um, for someone giving a lot of, he said, well, from today, it's been a long wait, and I'm still waiting for a reply. For someone who's giving a lots of advice to others, hashtag everyone matters. So, yeah, just, I guess people just think I'm just like this, this guy who just is perfect and tweets out all this advice on how everyone else should be as perfect as I am. Um, which I, don't, I totally don't want people to think of me like that, but I guess it comes across that way. Anyway, what I was trying to say was um, I'm getting bad at um, using my own brain to think of ideas. Like, all my tweet ideas now, I have to, like, read something and then be like, oh, yeah, that's something I can talk about. Um, I don't. Whereas I used to, when I started doing this, just sit there and just free flow from whatever came into my head. But I, I just don't seem able to do that anymore.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I feel the same way. I, I think part of it is that uh, I'm not terribly interested in, in uh talking about uh detailed minutiae around training on twitter yeah i feel like uh, there's like dozens of accounts that'll that'll tweet out how how to set up for uh, a given lift or something like that and it's a lot of work for low engagement too yeah like it just is uh, so that doesn't interest me as much i'm more interested in things like what we we talked about today which is like uh exception cases and strategies to to, for success because that's the kind of stuff i think that actually is harder to come by out there you you could you could google how to do a given exercise and get like 20 high quality videos right like right now but that's not that's not like that's not the stuff that hangs people up in the long term what hangs them up is they don't they don't know how to put all those little things together in a cohesive working you know plan and they also don't know how to make it fit their life you know there's you you go grab some random free program off the internet and you go do that program you have no idea if that's a good fit for you right It was whoever designed it, designed it with them or the clients that they like to work with in mind. You haven't been vetted against that, right? They may be on performance enhancing drugs that you're not on, Uh, they may have, uh, well, here's a classic example. A lot of the guys out there in in the fitness uh, circle there, they're great guys, but they're, you know, 25 and single. And the only demand on their time that they don't control is their work schedule. Every other minute of their life is 100% theirs to do whatever they like with, right? They, they can structure all of that stuff exactly as much as they like. They can go to the gym exactly when they want. Uh, you know, they can plan to eat only the meals that they want to eat. But that's not the lifestyle of the average client. The average client is like, more like you and me. They have kids, they have wives, right? They have uh Family obligations and stuff that they have to kind of cram into their limited free time. And then that makes controlling all those variables much, much more difficult to yeah. do. Managing your stress, getting enough sleep, uh, making sure that you don't train so much that you can't possibly recover from it. Those things are actually more challenging than many people seem to think that they are. And that's because they get their information from people who don't face those challenges. So that those things are not considered.
0: You know? Yeah, I fully agree. Um, and I bet you you probably um, feel this quite quite a lot because um, how old were you when you started training? Thirty five. Yeah, I, I like and almost thirty six. Yeah. And already already married and a dad to to, to twins. So um, and now a third child as well, a son as well. Um, so I bet you sometimes think. If I'd have started doing, if I'd have started training when I was eighteen, like, oh, I all, think just think of how perfect it all could have been. Like, I could have had the perfect plan, and I could never have missed a session, and I could have always eaten the perfect thing. And I think like that as well because I mean, I didn't have kids when I started training, and I started at twenty-five, which you'd think I would fit into that category of being able to do whatever I wanted, but wasn't the case because i I was quite an old 25 year old and that i was already in a very established relationship um already living together for, for many years um and i couldn't just structure my whole life around my training and eating which is what i would have done if i was single like when you when you're in a serious relationship with somebody who has other desires um you have to make concessions to that person so that they have so that their life isn't just fitting around you, um, and you know, I, I couldn't make my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, I couldn't make her life just fit around my training and make her eat whatever I wanted to eat. And you no, know, we can't go there because I can't eat whatever. And you know, but whereas if I was on my own and I was young, I could have done whatever I wanted. Then um, I could have led my life to just get the most out of my gym time and, and do all this hustling as well, or whatever else everyone talks about. So. Um, yeah, um, I, I guess I'm just All I'm saying is yeah, I understand what you're saying.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, the, you you'll hear things like, you know, it is non-negotiable to get eight hours of sleep, and I'm like, Haha, must be nice living in Never Neverland. Because tell uh, that to my son. Yeah, it's tell like, that to my son. Like <laughs> your kids do not care about your plans. <laughs> they don't care at all. They don't. They don't understand them, and even if they did, they would still do whatever they wanted. Like, you know. I could make a separate meal for myself. I could do that. Occasionally I do do that. But if I had to do that for every single meal, that would mean I'd have to make like six meals a day. Right? Yeah. Uh, That's even less time that I have to do the other things that I want to do. Like at some point, something's got to give everybody's got 24 hours of the day. And you know, if your life is less, uh, less freedom, more responsibility, then you're going to have to account for that when you're planning your training and your nutrition and all those other things. And you might have to be willing to accept slower progress that is sustainable, that will, not you know, push you over your limit. We talked about stress and, and, uh, having an emotional reaction to eating and training. Well, that's, gets real. That's a real issue. You know, your life, you don't want to destroy your life while you're trying to improve your health. So, yeah.
0: That th- these are the topics uh, that I think are valuable. Yeah, definitely. And something that we spoke about last time was actually, uh, or was it the time before, it was about um, approach to training when you're a, a, a new parent or, you know, a parent with a young child. Um, and I mentioned how how much my training changed um, upon becoming a dad. And so it's surprising to me, where it was then, just how much I could cut out and eliminate from my training and still make progress and still still look the same or, or better um so there was a reason for this and now i've forgotten why what it was it's annoying probably because you have a
1: two-year-old <laughs> and a baby on the way <laughs> and it's late
0: uh no sorry uh i felt like that was going to be a good, a good speech which could could have made it in but never mind i have to cut that out that's all right yeah it's, yeah it's, uh, yeah my brain's tired yeah my son at the moment he just wants to um wake up every hour and drink water so yeah you just wash or or even osha just hear it in the in the night i get woken up by osha
1: it's pretty hot there
0: still though right yeah yeah and he doesn't drink enough during the day like he's just too you try to make him drink and he just shakes his head and takes like a tiny sip and then runs off again
1: yeah people don't understand um, people who don't have little kids don't don't, <laughs> don't know this but little children will refuse to hydrate all day and then they'll demand water
0: at bedtime
1: yeah. <laughs> and in the middle all of the night, night. like yeah. every hour
0: sometimes yeah i want to get one of those little he's still in in a cot um with like you know like, i don't know if you call it a crib but yeah um you know like a, a hamster um when you can put the water on the outside with the little um thing to drink it out of i want to get one of those attach it to the side of his cot so that he doesn't have to keep waking me up to um hydrate himself <laughs> he gets all his hydration in at night time yeah
1: i actually like because it
0: it's Very not as hot
1: here but we do like during the winter it's really dry here and then in the summer when it's hot of course we have a similar kind of issue with the kids and not being able to i i don't want to deprive them of water i also don't want them stumbling around in the dark in the middle of the night trying to get some so we have like kids' water bottles, like the Contigo, right, yeah. like the Contigo ones. We 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 have yeah. we have filled those. And we give it to them at bedtime. They just take it to bed with them because they'll wake up in the middle of the night. And they'll be yeah. thirsty.
0: Yeah, I've got one. I've got one by the side of his cot, but you know he's just too young to to drink it to like reach it. It's yeah. on the floor, but um, yeah. So I've got to just go in there and just hold it to him Suit. So, soon (laughs) soon soon he'll be old enough you're you're in the home stretch
1: once they're like three
0: three and a half they start to get a little less there's There's another one.
1: one yeah yeah that's that's actually the worst actually you just you get the you get the oldest child just independent enough to kind of to be a handful because they no longer want to be you know right there with you all the time they're off doing their own thing a bit and then you've got the baby that's like attached and they have like no common interest. Yeah. That's that's a bit, tough patch. You're, you're, you're breaking up a lot now. That's okay. Nobody nobody wants to hear about babies anyway. Uh, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was just saying, you're in for you're in for a tough. You're in for a, uh, one of the tough stretches, which is when you have an infant and like a toddler.
0: No. It's- yeah, not two at the same time though, like you. Um, so I feel like I can't complain too much because I, I know what it must be have been like for you, um, because my sister has it has it now. So <laughs> um, and I, I hear a lot about it. And uh, yeah, this sounds hard.
1: Well, twins are harder at the beginning. easier.
0: Twins sounds like the hardest thing ever.
1: They're, they're hard at the beginning, but they're a little easier later, right?
0: Because yeah, because they have, they, they, they have each other. I guess like it's like they always have a, f- a friend around. Yeah.
1: Yeah, a friend that they don't mind fighting with.
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, I've got two, I've got twin nephews, and they are, they're two and a half, and they, yeah, they, they bite each other, and all sorts, like, quite a lot of fighting, actually. Yeah, I just got the one boy, thankfully, I, I
1: imagine there'd be some brawls. He's, he's already willing to throw down with his older sisters if they, they uh push them around so i can only imagine what it'd be like if i had two guys probably be a lot of a lot of that yeah well i think yeah i think that's good i think we had a great i think we had a good good one and i think we got lots of uh, stuff to cover next time so uh yeah that'd be cool so if you like today's episode subscribe yeah uh yeah definitely (laughs) i'll just tack that bit on the end. just smash the like like button smash the like button all that i should get my daughter record my daughter saying it she's always she has this great like she has this great youtube uh she you know she might have watched a few youtube videos i'll get her to say smash that like button